0: Thank you, Matt, and worship team, for leading us before the throne. Our focus this morning is on the Lord, first and foremost. Uh, if you are visiting with us, a special welcome to you. <clears throat> I think about this day, it was absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. You woke up and saw the beauty of creation around us today. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. you realize that He has given us, in His grace, and only in His grace, He has given us one more day? We don't deserve another day. Yet God, in His grace, looks at you and loves you and says, I'll give them one more day. Amen. And we get to give glory to the Lord for this day. May that be our focus, first and foremost. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we commit our time to the Father, we come before you and we understand what is at stake, what is at hand. As as recipients of truth, we are now given a responsibility. And God, we need your strength. I, I desperately need your strength as I handle and hold this word and, and offer it and serve it to these wonderful folks that are here today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that was given to us of salvation, of rescuing us and redeeming us from our sins. And now we can learn on how we move forward for your glory. Uh, as your word says, even in our text, they open um, our eyes to, to see you and hear you. And may you, Lord, May you hear our prayers as a result of our desire to be obedient and our fulfilling that obedience for you. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our series we have been talking about is called Stand. We take a firm stand in Christ, on Christ, and for Christ. I I drove... In this week, from lunch, and I noticed that there was a bunch of people gathered outside here, and and a truck. A guy had in it in, inadvertently lost control of his vehicle, and literally he drove into the side of our building. He hit our building right here, the church. And I, I stopped and made sure every everyone was okay, and everyone was okay. And 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 the police came and had to write a report. And and as they moved the vehicle later, you could see. That there's marks, there's paint and there's scrape marks, but I realized that there's not like one brick out of place, there's not a chip, there's, there's nothing, it's absolutely rock solid. Someone drove into a building and, and the church building didn't budge, didn't move. I thought, about, I thought about us as a church, a church isn't the building, a church is the people, Inadvertently, we're going to face what? We're going to face collisions all the way through life. When we stand in Christ and on Christ, and forth, I tell you what, we will not budge the slightest bit because we have the authority of God's Word. That's the theme that we have been looking at here. We, we stand not in our own words, but we stand in the Word of God. There's a theme that's been winding its way. I hope you've understood it. I hope that you've recognized it all the way through the book of First Peter. Successful Christians lead submissive lives. We will end up surrendering and submitting to others all the way through life. Chapter 1, we talk about the fact that we submit first and foremost to the Lord and to the authority of the Lord's word to us. Chapter 2, we looked at the fact that we're, we we must submit to the governing authorities, civil authorities. God has placed over us. You've got to drive the speed limit, like it or not. We've got to submit to the authorities that are at a workplace. In chapter 3, we talked about the, the submission that exists within the context of their, their wives. And now as we get further into this chapter, in chapter 3, we're going to look at the relationship that we are to have as as one another, as brothers and sisters, that we actually are given instruction in God's Word. We submit to one another. This is why. This is a body of believers. It's referred to as the local church. And how we are to respond every day to one another. I, I don't—I—I I, I cannot get enough. You study the subject of ecclesiology, the subject of the, the church... I love to study the bride of Christ. I am, I am pro-church. I am all about what God has designed. God has ordained. This is, this is the mode and method that He has chosen to advance the cause for His glory. He's done it through us. We're kind of broken and beat up. And we are less than brilliant and less than beautiful. And yet God chooses us to advance His cause for His glory. And so we, as brothers and sisters, are to work hard on our relationships with one another. We're to work hard in listening to one another, of pouring into one another's lives. We're, We're to eat meals together. We're to pray together. We're to cry alongside of one another. We're to laugh and live life together. That's God's desire and and design and intent for the local church, for you and I, as we interact and behave. The author here, the Apostle Peter, has given to us instructions on how to do this and how to do this well. We submit whether or not we're citizens, whether or not we are employees, whether or not we are a, a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister in Christ, how we do this every day. This is the text. 1 Peter chapter 3, pick it up in verse 8. He says, finally, finally, he's drawing all the loose ends together. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, listen to this, bless But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, there is a lot here, and, and it's hard to get through this much in a limited amount of time, but let me direct your your eyes to, to verse ten. There's, there's a few words there. There's a phrase, and it says this Whoever desires to love life whoever desires to love life and see good days, you realize that Peter is quoting someone here. Peter's actually quoting the psalmist David from Psalm chapter 34 and verse 12. It's worded slightly different in the Psalms, but it says exactly the same thing. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see goods? Now in, in the Psalms you'll notice that there's a question mark. It's a statement that Peter makes. It's a question mark in Psalm 34. Think for a moment. Here here it is. Who desires or who wants to love life? Well, you have a choice. I'd like to love life or hate life. Next question is what? Who desires or who wants to see good days? Okay, we're faced with a choice here. Who wakes up in the morning and say, I'd like to have a miserable life and see a bad day? If someone who, who 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 maneuvers the way through life and says, I, I hate life and I want to see bad days, okay, there are some major psychological, pathological issues that exist there. Thankfully, the gospel can free and will free people from that twisted thinking. But for the most part, this is what is referred to it in the Psalms as a rhetorical question, who loves life? You don't have to answer that, we all love life everyone especially the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ especially the christian should love life should desire that which is good it's hard though the, the listeners that that peter is writing to they are going through some difficult times they've been persecuted and they're scattered they're running, many of them, for their own life. And Peter says, who is it that desires that which is good? Who is it that desires that which is loving? Uh, we, we greet one another. There's a, a, a term, have, have a good day. Hello, how are you? Doing good? Have a good day. And it's normal for us. We, we desire this. In 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 the good Italians would say what? And, and I was telling my daughter the title of Sarah, the title of the message, and she said, "You're not going to do that like really bad Italian accent, are you, Dad?" Good Italians would say what? La dolce vita. It's not the good life. It's the sweet life. How many people here? Okay, we examine this, desire that which is good, that which is sweet. God's Word talks about the fact there's something here. Now, if you were to ask the typical person, the guy walking down the street, what's the good life? Describe the good life for me, and they're going to describe it very, very easily. You're surrounded by people that you love and, and who love you. That's the good life. The good life is what? You have so much stuff, money in abundance. You have physical health, you have a good mind, you have a good job, you have cars or homes. You go on vacations and enjoy fine food, and, you, and you, you travel to exotic places and locations. And it's all about self-indulgence. It's all about self-gratification. That's the good life. That's the sweet life. And yet, for some reason, that's really not what we're talking about this morning. I believe Solomon had a comment on this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10 and 11. He, what? He had all the wine, women, and song you could ever even imagine. He said, I had it all. I kept nothing back. When my eyes saw something, I kept nothing back. I had it all. And he said, what? It's all vanity. It's a passing mist. There's nothing there. We live in a world that's filled with people who desire the good life. I think of what? We, we live in this world that, that is somehow driven by following the lives of the rich and the famous and celebrities. And people are living vicariously through these, these, these individuals. And they have what? They, they have attained and they have achieved everything that the world says, this is what you have. And they're, they're, they're realizing you know, the, the show, um, Everybody Loves Raymond, there's a little boy. He, he, one of the sons, his name was Jeffrey. His, his name is Sawyer Sweeten. He was a famous actor, 19 years old last month, goes on his front porch of his parents' home and puts a gun to his head and kills himself. But he had it all. He was young and he was talented and he was wealthy. And I, I began to look, and do you, do you realize how many people have done that and have done that recently? Coomer, the, the, the football player on Friday Night Lights, Lee Thompson Young, young young kid, graduated from University of South Carolina. He was a member of the most prestigious fraternity there. Just Just recently shot himself and killed himself. They have it all. They have everything that the world's. Country music star Mindy McCready, young and wealthy and beautiful, shot herself. Fashion desire Loren Scott just recently hung herself. NFL all-star Junior Seau, he, he, he killed himself. Movie director Tony Scott, he, he, he directed um, uh, the movie Gettysburg and Crimson Tide and Top Gun. He jumped off of a bridge and he killed himself. This, this happens all over the place. Patch Adams, Robin Williams, he's like really, really funny. He hung himself. Dick Trickle, the NASCAR driver, he killed himself. And it's all over. People who have achieved and attained all the status that there is. And you can go back, and those who, who inadvertently killed themselves through overdose, and the list is long, I don't even like to draw attention of how many famous people go to history and read of Cleopatra and the artist Vincent Van Gogh and Virginia Woolf and 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 artists, authors, Ernest Hemingway. He 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 despised God's word and he lived life as he called it to the fullest. He was searching and seeking for the sweet life, for the good life, and he traveled exotic places and he had many women and he partied in drunkenness and he killed himself, there seems that there's people that are looking for something all over this world. And yet there's very few that seek and find contentment and true peace. Enter what? Enter the called out ones. Enter the bride of Christ. Enter the sons and daughters of God. Enter those, enter you and I who have offered our life To follow the Lord Jesus Christ. To take the little bits and pieces of, of our stories that God has rescued and redeemed us. And we, what, live in a time and a place that we are to show others what it actually means to live the good life. Peter begins with this, this word in verse eight. Finally, it's a conclusion. It's a, it's a summation for some of the previous texts. Finally, well, what is it? What does this look like? What are we to do? Here it is. Here's a list. It says, what? Have unity of one mind. Number one, be of one mind. That's what we're supposed to... When when we live as called out ones. When we actually are, are, are to live that which God says, this is good. We're to be of one mind. This understanding is not sharing a brain, okay? This is not some cult-like thinking determining that everyone must look and dress and act and talk as cookie-cutter duplicates. It's not drab uniformity. This is not trying to imitate one another. This is what? That that, that would be just horrid. This is the eclectic, Beautiful blend of many people with many stories from many backgrounds and many ages and many different gifts coming together. That's what I so I'm fascinated about the local church. It's blessed. It's beautiful, eclectic. And I I, I was writing. I used the term electric. There's something happens. The Holy Spirit what hovers over and in, and what we see. That there's a unity that comes. This is talking about what we're to condition our minds in such a way that we are fashioned by the same spirit. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Philippians 2 all speak of this. They all speak about the fact that we are to be of one minds. Does it mean that we never disagree? No, it means that what there's major things that we must agree on and we must agree on the direction that we're heading. If you're if you're coming to this church to kind of appease your own senses, to make yourself feel good, so you can kind of stumble away through another week, then then this is not the place for you. We exist to cut into the community with a message of hope. That literally changes lives all over the place. We've got to be on the same mind as we move forward. There's basic things. The authority of Scripture, if you don't believe this is the Word of God, you can't be part. If you don't believe this is the final answer for every problem in life, then then you can't be part of where we're going, because this is the authority. We're of one mind on that. The deity of Christ, if you think that Jesus is a way amongst them, then you can't be part of where we're going. Salvation by grace, through faith, not of works, it is a gift. We can't budge on that. We don't move on that. We've got to be of one mind. This idea here, have unity mind, comes from two Greek words. It means to think the same. The NIV translates it, live in harmony with one another. Christians are to be examples to the rest of the community. And yet, sadly, what has happened, churches have been set apart as examples of bickering and fighting places. Splits and factions and divisions all over the place. That can't be not here. We very easily identify with those that are what exactly? And we we, we move in, in, in cliques and groups. Posses, you would say a hundred years ago, we ride together. and we use labels, physical, identifiable, realities. Kids oftentimes think like this in, in terms, what? In junior, high. You have preps and and jocks and nerds or whatever the groups are. That may work in junior high. It does not work here. It does not work here. And it will not exist here. We are what? We are to be of one mind. We are to have unity of minds. Galatians in chapter 3 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ... I love that, has put on Christ. There is what? Neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Listen to this. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 10 and verse 12 says, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all the tragic circumstances of the early church. I am of Paul, and, 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 and he is of Apollos. Horrible testimony. Tragic. It cannot happen. We have got to keep our minds on the fact that we are all sinners saved by the grace of God, that we are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Any divided thinking has got to go. Can you this morning respond to the instruction and come alongside and surrender to the the, the brother or sister sitting next to you that says "Well, You know what? We exist differences. We exist on the majors and we move forward for God's glory. Number one, be of one mind. Number two, be sympathetic. It says to have sympathy here. Another translation uses the word compassion. Here we are called to sympathetic behavior. The word really means to be affected, or it means, and I like this, to be stirred up. Now this idea, and we pride ourselves on Stoicism, and we do definitely need elements of stability. It's necessary. But if we are Stoic to the place that we are not entering into and hurting with those that are hurting around us, then we kind of miss the boat, let, let me let me shout out here to to women, to ladies who, oftentimes, for some reason, I think as nurturers, it comes a little bit easier. We as men can learn from the compassion, from the sympathy, oftentimes that is demonstrated and modeled by moms, by mothers, and and grandmothers. Please understand, this is not limited to to to. Just times of sympathy, or just times of hardship, or of pain, or of suffering. Actually, it's easier sometimes to sympathize with someone that's in pain than it is to, to what, come alongside and, in a sense, be stirred up with the fact that someone else is rejoicing in life. To be compassionate, in a sense, means to enter that your emotions are still stirred up alongside of them. Romans 12 talks about the fact that you rejoice with those who rejoice. You weep with those who weep whole lot easier to weep alongside of someone because they're hurting and you enter that then what rejoice oh, I'm so happy that you got yet another two dollar raise I just rejoice with you in that and that sadly doesn't always happen we're to be sympathetic we're to be number three be loving we're like okay well we get this this is like who we are right well, let's pass through this one very quickly we, we can't do that just because it sounds familiar to us Loving one another, sacrificing for one another, giving to each other is absolutely paramount. It is, it, is, it is the pinnacle. It is pivotal as far as who we are. Do you realize that this is the characteristic that sets us apart? It ought to from everyone else. It, it is a sign of true discipleship. Robert Mount says it like this. A non-loving Christian is a contradiction in terms. Don't even, don't even call yourself a Christian if you cannot love unconditionally. When we grab hold, when we pause, when we meditate on the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of God having given to us His own Son, pause on that. That, that's where everything is measured against. That's the love that we are to have. And, And, and it rattles something and we realize, wow. I, I kind of love, on the surface, at times. I extend a hand to help them up, and that's about it. it. It doesn't seep deep, and it's got to. I heard a story one time years ago of a of a little skinny uh, older uh, preacher, and he was he was standing on the street corner. Remember, years ago they'd stand on the street corner and they just kind of like preach, just like right there in the middle of the city. And uh, and. And he was telling them that God loves you. And there was a big, tough, leather, muscles, you know, the whole stankwitz look. <laughs> and, and, and there was a, a gangly that came up. And he, and he actually pulled out a knife. This little guy, preaching, he says, Jesus loves you. And, you have to... and the guy pulled out a knife. He said, do you realize I could cut you into a thousand pieces? And the little guy looked up at him and he says, you know what? Every single one of those pieces would still say I love you. It's that it's that type of thinking. There is no end to our love. There's no condition that if everything aligns perfectly, then I'll offer... No, that's not it. Do you realize how unlovable you are? How self-absorbed you and I can be? And God looked at you and He said, I'll offer my son to die in the place. That's the love. We are to demonstrate that amongst one another. Yeah, but I don't like the same team they like, or I live in a different community. Just throw that away. Be loving. Number four, be tender-hearted. Vividly, and, and literally this means to have good intentions, which is interesting translation. Many a time our intentions are high, but communicating that can be very, very difficult. Tender-hearted Okay, is speaking truth in love. Oftentimes, we are so concerned, which is important, to get the truth out. And we, we, we are successful at getting the truth out, but we've done it in such a way that it's actually caused in some way almost more harm. Yeah, I understand that your marriage is a complete wreck. You guys have really messed this one up. I'm here to help you because you need God's word. Well, it's true, they do need God's word. You kind of just lost your audience there. There's this element that that says what? Yeah, I I heard you lost another job and you have no money. So I guess it's our responsibility to help you. Yes, it is your responsibility to help you, but it's not your responsibility to enter the situation like that. And so it's this idea of, of tenderness, tenderheartedness. If you're, going to, if you're going to just just speak truth without love, I'm not saying don't speak truth, I'm saying if you're just without love, just hit them over the head with a sledgehammer, it would be less painful. We need to balance both. We need to emphasize both. Wonderful intentions, even with the hopes of meeting others' needs. The counsel to teach, to instruct, to bring change. We, if, we, if we don't do that with a sense of tenderness, then we're kind of missing out on what God has designed for us to what? To live the life that He desires. Number five, we're moving quickly, is, is to be humble-minded. It says be humble. This is a whole lot easier said than done. We are quick to champion how humble we are, which right there, you flunk the test. Proverbs 6 says, What these these things the Lord hates, these six things the Lord hates seven is abomination. What's the top of the very list? What's number one there? You can think you know that. These six things, the Lord hates seven is abomination, a proud look. First and foremost. We are called to submit to one another. We cannot submit from an air of we're better than, or you're less than. I I see this, one of the the ways I see this happening is listening to others and to their response more than speaking. For example, if you and I are to strive to have a greater concern for others than we are for ourselves, let me give you a little hint. You can write this down, okay? I wrote it down in my notes and I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard on this. Stop talking about yourself. That's really what it comes down to. Stop talking about, if someone asks you questions, that's fine. I I think you should ask questions to others. Ask questions, be concerned, show them that you want to learn about their life, that their life is important. It is important. That their struggles that they're going through are important. Ask questions. I went through and there's way too many to listen. Do you realize if we follow the model that is given by the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians, one like Christ, do you realize how many times that Jesus implemented it, the asking of questions into people's lives? Too, too many, to, but I wrote some of them down. Listen to the, and every question, in a sense, peers in, yes, concerned, but there's, there's a greater, he's concerned about their souls. We ask questions that lead to a place where we are concerned about the souls of others. Listen to some of these questions Jesus asked. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so troubled? Why do you doubt? Why are you thinking these things? Why do you think evil in your hearts? Why are you searching for me? Why do you ask me about what is good? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Questions all over the place. And that's what we need to do to demonstrate, I believe, humility. We come at it with a concern for them. And a concern, why? Yes, for their physical needs, certainly, certainly, certainly important. But greater than that, a concern for their spiritual needs. See the souls. We see the souls of those around us and in our communities. Fifthly, be humble-minded. Sixthly, and finally, be a blessing. This is actually defined, and it's explained in greater detail with, with the following verse. Listen to this. Don't, don't repay evil for evil. We, we talked about this earlier in, in, in 1 Peter. We don't revile when we've been reviled. Peter repeats it here, same literally almost exact same wording. Don't, repeat, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless... For to this you are called. Bless. You've been called to this. Think about it. You have literally, you and I have literally been called called by God to be a blessing into the lives of other people. Well, that's a huge response. No, that is an amazing privilege. That every day you get to wake up. God has granted in His grace one more day. And he says, I I am calling you to be used as a blessing into the life of someone else. What a high calling. Oh, excuse me, I've been called to be a pastor. No, 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 you've been called to be a blessing to other people's lives. Well, I've I've been called to be a teacher, and so I'm going, no, no, you have been called To be a blessing into other people's lives. Well, God has called me to be a a mom. I'm going to be the best mom to these. That's great. You're to be a blessing into the lives of these little ones and into the lives of others around you. That's what God has called us to do. Finally, look at this as we strive, honestly, to pursue that kind of behavior. Summarized from this quote in Psalm 34. He says, keep his tongue from evil. Guard, guard, guard. Wow, am I having a hard time? And do I work hard on this? And do I stumble and fall? Yes. Oh, guard your tongue. Seek peace. And then look at this. Look at this final. Look at this amazing promise. And look at the response. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And His ears are open to their prayer gods you mean you mean the one who creates and sustains there isn't a far-flung sky star in the sky there isn't a grain of sand that is not under his complete and he what his eyes are watching me and his ears are open to my prayers that's that's the blessing that god has Think about it. the effectiveness of our prayer lives, or we could say the ineffectiveness of our prayer lives, is directly dependent upon the way that we live our life. You ever feel like you're praying and it's what? Uh, it's just hitting the ceiling. Boom. It is not going. There's something that's not right. Oftentimes, what? This vertical relationship, this break in a vertical relationship is a result of a break in a horizontal relationship with those around us. Don't don't bring your gifts up to the front unless you go and you make things right. That's the idea that we're talking about here. We do not move alone. And I am way out of time. I didn't even realize that. La dolce vita. I don't care if it's a bad Italian accent. There's this idea that God has given to us and called us to this amazing blessing. Okay, this is not a prosperity theology. Do these things, and God's going to. No, no, no. To these things, and we're simply simply called to be obedient. Let's pray, God. Thank you for your word. Give us the strength to be obedient. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. I think Nick and Ashley. as our worship team is coming up. I'm going to ask the elders, if there's any elders, to come up here as well. Um, Nick and Ashley, um, our youth pastor and his wife, uh, this is actually their last Sunday. I, I'm allowed to say where you're going, or do you want to say that? Is that okay? Um, um, it's, it's neat to say that God continues to have an amazing plan. Uh, for Nick and Ashley, and and Nick is going to become the Associate Pastor of Youth and Discipleship at First Baptist Church in Middleville, Michigan, okay? Um, Wolverines country, that's interesting. Um, Anyway, uh, we just want to pause. I'm going to ask the elders to come and uh, just thank the Lord for the amazing impact and blessing that Nick and Ashley have been here at our church over the past uh, three-plus years, And we want to just pray over them and ask God's blessing and anointing that we know that God will continue to use them as a couple and bless them as a family with little Micah and Malia. Uh, Maybe Zane could pray. Thank you.
1: Father, we thank you for your plans that are beyond our comprehension or understanding. Lord, we thank you that you know all things Lord, we thank you so much for the Boonstras, for the sweet spirit that both of them have. Lord, for the love of you, the love of your people, the love of the youth here. Lord, we know that you will be with them, that you'll be going before them. Lord, we pray for uh, safe journeys, safe travels. Father, pray that where you place uh, Nick in ministry, that he would be just such a blessing, Lord, that you would use his gifts to bring many to know you to draw them unto the kingdom lord and for ashley for her sweet loving spirit lord yes. we pray that she too would be um just a blessing to to those that uh, she interfaces with and father for their children that you would grow them strong in you amen lord it's been a blessing for us to have them in our lives and uh it's bittersweet father to see them go but lord i know that you're sending them as an arrow amen to do your work in a in another community. Father, we send our blessings and our love with them. Thank you for your goodness. May you be glorified. It's in your sons and then you pray. Amen. Amen.